I'm Carmen. And I'm Joanna. And this is Live, Laugh, Murder. here too and guess what what chicken butt i'm just kidding we're recording in person yes i drove two hours to be here you did well for amy's birthday birthday. i know i was when you guys were recording i was like oh when her episode came out it was gonna be at her birthday oh oh today the day we're recording is happy birthday amy birthday amy um when this comes out you're closing on your brand new house yes and how many when do you close the 22nd of august Okay. And then we'll move in that weekend just because with work and juggling that. And when am I spending the night? The 23rd. <laughs> the, the very next day. Yes. Even though we won't be moved in, you can come. Anyway, well, we're here. We have a story today. After we record, we're actually going to dinner to celebrate Amy, who was, is it, what is it in softball when you... Pitch hitter. A, is it a pinch or a pitch Pinch? Hitter? Pinch runner. No, okay. I'm thinking of when you hit, like you're up to bat, but you have someone run for you. I'm, I'm going to Google it. A pinch runner or a pit, a pin, <laughs> son of a say bitch. Say it faster. Whatever it is, Amy, pinch that's what she was runner. last week. A baseball, in baseball, a pinch runner is a player substituted for the specific purpose of replacing another player on base. So pinch. A pinch runner. I well, said pitch. Yeah, you did. So that was Amy. So Amy, thank you again for coming on. And we'll probably see her again if we need her in the future. She did a good job. She did. She did great. Really Not just because it. it's her birthday today. But I would have said it regardless. Yes, you would have. So we are back to our bullshit today. We've got a Florida man, Joanna, mm-hmm. and we have a typical true crime or movie plot episode. Yay. It's been a while. It has, it's, it has, I think it's felt like a while because we got a little ahead before with our recording because you were moving and then Amy filled in. So it feels like it's been a really long time. That was the paranormal one with Amy. Yes. And what was the last one? I didn't have to guess. Uh, vacation. Yes, yeah. you did. Oh, I did. Oh, you I did. did. Vacation yeah. to hell or my, from hell. Yeah, my friend Melissa watched, listened to it, and I, she goes, I'm, I'm listening to it right now. I said, it's a wild ride. It is. Twisty and turny. Yes. Okay, so welcome to Live, Laugh, Murder, where, where, good Lord, we tell stories that may or may not be true. On today's episode, I will either be giving you the facts of a true crime case or the plot of a horror movie. And let's see if you guys can test your knowledge and figure it out before the end of the show. Before me. Before Joanna, at least. Um, Anyway, but before that, Joanna likes to tell us a Florida man. You moved away, but you still live in Florida where there's crazy people. All over the place. All over. Florida's a big state. (laughs) Crazy things happen. What do you got for me? Well, this was sent to me by Chansey. Chansey, what up? Yes. Interesting little fact about this story. It is a court case, and my husband was chosen to be on this jury. Wow. He got a jury summons for this, and it's a murder trial. Did he go? No. Oh, oh, that's the one you told me about when you were packing up the house, and you yes. had me look at it. Yes. Wow, so, wild. A man convicted of killing an 11-year-old girl and her babysitter more than three decades ago has been sentenced to death by a judge in Southwest Florida. Holy shit. Yeah. That's me. I'm in Southwest Florida. You are. I'm not. Okay. So the sentencing came not long after Joseph Zeiler elbowed his own attorney in the face 
in the courtroom. Last month, 10 out of 12 jurors recommended that Zeller, Zeller, Z-I-E-L-E-R? Zeller? 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 Okay. Doesn't matter. He's a scumbag. Zeller or Zeller. We'll call him Joe. Um, to be sentenced to death after about five hours of deliberations, according to the court records. The same jury previously found Joe, 60, guilty of two counts of first-degree murder in the 1990 murders of the 11-year-old Robin Cornell and 32-year-old Lisa Story. Wow. Yeah, so he was, in, he was convicted uh-huh. in, the in 1990, uh-huh. and then he wanted a retrial, and he was still convicted, but now he's convicted to murder. Wow. He's, he's getting, not convicted. Yes, he's convicted of murder, and now he's going to be... Oh, they have to try him for the death penalty. Yes, for death. Ah. Before the sentence was officially handed down, Joe appeared in court with his wrists shackled. Video shows him calling over his attorney, Kevin Shirley, who leaned over to listen to something he assumed Joe was going to whisper to him. Instead... Oh. Joe flung his elbow up and struck the side of Shirley's head. The video shows two bailiffs, yeah, bailiffs immediately tackled Joe to the ground and escorted him out of the courtroom. And the, the um, attorney says, I had no idea he was going to do something Damn, like that. Of course. <laughs> Obviously, he's been planning on that. But as he was going down, he said he said he he said he was sorry wrote this as he was but going as down he was going down he said he was sorry he missed oh, oh my gosh <laughs> i didn't expect that <laughs> anyway so he's in jail he's gonna die wow yeah so oh i oh okay yeah i guess i had words and then i lost my words i'm gonna elbow him Elbow me in the face. Don't. Hold on. I have to move Amy's gift bag because it's rustling, yeah, it rustling and I don't want the folks to to be bothered. Coming live from the swamps. Coming live from the sweat house. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be silent this entire show. Bet. Jo- Joanna. <laughs> with a bet? Don't do that to me. You got to say, you got to run through your roulette of five phrases. That you- <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. It's crazy. Wow. Or no, what's the other one? Mm. <laughs> That's the one I feel like I do too mm-hmm. much. Okay. We were talking about our phrases that we overuse far too often mm-hmm. that we don't notice until we listen back. Yeah. It's annoying. Well, I have a story for you today. <sighs> Good. All, All right, right, Joanna. It is back to school season, mm-hmm. which is why I told you we had to record this one now because... Yes. School's in session soon. Yep. By the time this comes out, school will have started just a week ago, mm-hmm. but I know in the northern part of the country and other areas, it starts in September. Either way, Joanna... It's back to school season, and I thought I'd tell you a little tale that surrounds a group of girls that rule the school. Is it Mean Girls? Yes. Okay. This is the plot of Mean Girls. (laughs) The twist. Uh, The OG plastics is what I was thinking when I was writing this. I love it. And you saying, was it Mean Girls, just makes it perfect. Okay. Everyone loves them. Everyone hates them. Everyone wants to be them. They are high school royalty until one of them ends up stabbed to death. Mm. That's where we're going today with our story. It's summer break when the phone rings at the Costas household. Mrs. Costas answers her landline to hear the voice of a teenage girl. She informs Mrs. Costas that she is a classmate of her daughter's. When she goes on to tell the girl that her daughter, Kirsten, is still away at cheer camp and won't be home until tomorrow, the girl says, that's okay. I'm a member of the Bobbies. I'm a friend of Kirsten's, and there's a secret initiation dinner tomorrow for all the Bobolinks. 
and it's tomorrow night, and I'm going to pick up Kirsten, and we're going to go to this dinner. Are you making up words? No. Bobolinks? Bobolinks. Bobolinks is short for the bobbies, duh. <sighs> Mrs. Costa says something like, that's fine, dear. Thank you for the call. Yes, you know, Kirsten can go. She'll be mm. excited. It's a surprise for her. Cool. And that's the end of the call. Knowing how excited her daughter will be to find out about this initiation, as being a part of the bobbies is just elite status mm-hmm. at school. Little does Mrs. Costas know, after her daughter is picked up for this dinner, their lives will never be the same again. I believe it. I need a sip of my vodka. This will be the last time you ever hear from Kirsten. Sadly, that is true for Mrs. Costas. So let me introduce you to 15-year-old Kirsten. Mm. What What were you up to when you were 15, Joanna? What grade is that? Ninth grade? Ninth or tenth, yeah. Well, high school, running. We've talked about this before, and that's always your response. High s- running, sports. Because I didn't, I had like two friends in high school, and I was okay with that. That's perfectly fine. Yeah. Yeah, at least you had two friends. Yes, that's true. Yeah. I had, you know, my close friends that I had met, Katie, who you know. Hi, Katie. What up? And um, we were together every weekend. We lived in separate towns. We went to separate high schools. And I had to pay my parents a quarter every time I called her on the landline because it charged our phone bill a quarter because we live technically two towns away. And she would have to pay her mom too. And then we would write each other notes in class and mail them to each other's houses in the mail. (laughs) That's a sweet friendship. And we're still friends. And that's when I was 15. This story is not about us. This is about Kirsten. We're taking it back to the 80s here, Joanna. Oh, I was not 15 in the 80s. Yeah. Think of the hair, the clothes, the cars, the first cell phones. Was that in the 80s, Zach Morris, or was that the 90s? 90s. Oh. All right, let's rephrase. The hair, the car, the clothes. And Kirsten is living the California dream, surrounded by affluence, low crime rate, and great schools. Kind of like Beverly Hills 90210. Yes. This oh. is not Beverly Hills 90210. So jealous of those kids. Just remember, like, what was the restaurant they would go to? It was oh, diner. the Peach Pit. The Peach Pit, yes. Yes. Oh. I thought that, honestly, like, watching them, like, oh, high school's going to be so cool. Yeah. And then you get there and you're like, there's no peach pit. This is lame city. And then when they went to college, they made it the peach pit after dark. (laughs) And they turned it into a club. Well, Valerie did. Enough about that. Kirsten has everything a teenage girl could want, even today. Her family has nice cars, a beautiful home. They go on ski trips together. They have nice clothes, all the things you would want. And Kirsten is what they call, would call like, or what we would call an it girl. Mm. She's beautiful and fun and just basically very popular, as obviously you've guessed by now. And she's pretty athletic as well. She's on the swim team, the soccer team, and most of all, she's a cheerleader. Of course. Of course. It is no surprise to anyone when Kirsten is invited to join the Bobolinks. Are the Bobolinks also cheerleaders? Yeah, many of them are. Okay. Yep. Which is a club at school, and it's like a high school sorority. So they're in high school. Oh, she's going to, okay. Yeah, and these high school sororities, California, mm-hmm. affluent community, it's a thing. But when I was in high school, I would call it like a clique or like a club, like an after-school club. Now, the Bobolinks have another name for short that they go by, which I mentioned, the Bobbies. The coolest girls in school, or we can call them the plastics. Or the girls that peak in high school. <laughs> And become nurses. Oh, my God. Stop. No offense to nurses because we love you. No but offense. But I know a lot of girls who peaked in high school. Yeah. And they were mean to you, huh? And they're medical encoding. Bitches. 
I had some girls that were mean to me in high school too. Mm-hmm. And the, oh my god, when my, I had to take my daughter for a procedure when she was three, one of the girls was worked in the admitting office. <laughs> she was an asshole in high school. Mm-hmm. Wow, Joanna. Kind of hit the nail on the head on that one. Right. Another girl <laughs> at school who admires Kirsten, I mean, who doesn't? Mm-hmm. I admire Kirsten, is a girl who is also on the swim team and who is also a member of the Bobbies. Her name is Bernadette. She and Kirsten share mutual friends and they are in many of the same groups at school. Bernadette wants so badly for Kirsten to like her. She, go ahead. No, it's, I've had girls like that too. Where they just, like me. <laughs> I just want you to like me, Joanna. <laughs> she wants to be Kirsten's best friend. And being that they have so much in common, like I just mentioned the things that they have in common, it's difficult for her that it's just not happening. Mm-hmm. Kirsten is not reciprocating. Needless to say, they're they're not close friends. Kirsten. <laughs> There we go. Now we're ready. Okay, what was that? My Christmas present from my daughter was a sign that you flip it and it says wine o'clock or was it coffee? Coffee time. time. Joanna had to flip it to wine o'clock. Okay, even though we're drinking vodka. Vodka. It's too hot for red wine in this fucking room. This it is the fucking swamp. Um, Okay, yeah, Bernadette. She just doesn't get it. She's trying. She's trying. She's trying. It's not happening, girl. She wonders how come with everything she also has going for her, how come she and Kirsten just can't connect? I'll tell you why. Because she's trying too hard. Uh She when you push and push and push, even at that young age at fifteen, even now at thirty-eight and forty years old, you and me, when you push Joanna, I'm just gonna push you away. I'm just kidding. I would never. (laughs) Um, But you get it. Yeah, she's trying too hard. And in my experience, it just pushes people away. Mm -hmm. Bernadette doesn't even truly like Kirsten deep down. She just wants her acceptance. Okay. Being accepted by her means being accepted by everyone. The Bobbies. Yes. The Bobolinks. Bernadette, even though, like I said, she's got great things going for her, she doesn't have the social standing like Kirsten because her family isn't dun 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 uber rich Mm -hmm. now her family is fine financially to us they're probably pretty well off but they don't have the excess that all her rich classmates have okay it's like in 90210 you know they're all so rich and then brandon and brenda come in the school and they feel poor yeah even though they're definitely not because they're living in 90210 (laughs) yep so to her yeah she feels poor and she's reality she's far from it and she's just insecure in the spring of that school year tryouts come for the cheer squad for the following year she gives it bernadette gives it her all cheerleading at this school joanna is taken so seriously that before even trying out the kids have to write an essay explaining why they would be a benefit to the squad and their parents have to agree to purchase all the uniforms and they have to agree to pay for you to go to cheer camp before you can even try out is this bring it on Oh my gosh, I guess we'll wait and see. So you've mentioned Bring It On, 90210, Mean mean Girls, girls, Scream. Am I right on any of them? I'll tell you in a little bit. It's a collaboration of them all. It's a collab. It's from my own brain. All this stuff, which you played sports, Joanna, so you know this stuff's not cheap. Katie cheered in high school, and that shit was expensive. I cheered in seventh and eighth grade, and we had to get all the same shoes. They were the ones, those Nike ones, with these plastic inserts that you could put in to make the Nike sign a different color. Oh, now that's fancy. Uh Wow. When I was in ninth grade, I went to day one of cheerleading tryouts and I never went back. I was so uncoordinated and (laughs) it's just bad. It's bad. So not cheap. And if you're on the cheer squad, you're an elite. 
That's that's yeah. just it. You wore your uniform to school, didn't you? You did on game days, obviously. Yeah. So here we are at tryouts, and all the girls are giving it their all, trying so hard, showing off the routines they've been practicing, their toe touches, their herkies, they're shaking their rears as you do. Yeah, I put that in. Do a herky right now. Oh, my God. I could do a herky better than a toe touch. Let's see it. No. So to find, listen to this, to find out if they made the squad, they have to attend a ceremony. Mm. So... <laughs> So picture this. The girls are all in the gymnasium with a panel of judges ahead of them. Oh, my God. It does sound like bring it on. And one by one, they get called on stage and they are told if they've made it. And the judges pull out their envelope with everyone's names like one at a time. And they call the first girl. They pull, I'm sorry, I said that weird. They pull names out of an envelope one at a time. Ooh, that's nerve wracking. And they call the first girl. She goes up on stage, is told she made the squad and is handed flowers. The rest of the group cheers and claps as she sits back down. And the next name is pulled from the envelope. Kirsten's name gets uh -oh. called. She walks on stage with shaking hands, so hopeful, and she's told, you made it. Kirsten couldn't be happier about this. But what about Bernadette? Probably not. She does not, in fact, make the cheer squad. And Bernadette is devastated naturally naturally to say the least this really gets her down but she is not done yet joanna she now tries out for another exclusive club in the school You're laughing <laughs> because archery just kidding i like archery the yearbook club <laughs> oh my gosh i have to tell you something i was part of the yearbook club in high school makes sense what oh my god Could it, so, is this story about you so i was an elite cheerleading couldn't do cheerleading yearbook yep Oh, yeah, I'm Bernadette. Yeah, right. I'll tell you now, being in the yearbook class was like, it was. Like, we got free reign of the school. Yeah. We could go around and take pictures. It was one of the best classes I had. Well, and you have, you can decide who makes it and who doesn't. Yeah, and I was on the yearbook, in the yearbook club for two years in high school. I loved it. It was so fun. Um, but I, it wasn't definitely not an elite, like, social standing club. I'll tell you that right now. Well, where they went to school... It was. It didn't add to my popularity, and it didn't make me an it girl. I digress. So this is really important to Bernadette. She also does not make it in the year. Oh, book gosh. Club. Yep. <laughs> yep. Burn after burn. And because of this, she feels like she just can't break into the cool girl group the way she wants to be. Yeah. She's just getting down on her luck. These little things are building up for her and making her feel more and more just like shit. So Bernadette recalls how just a few short months ago, she was on a ski, a class ski trip in the winter. Remember where I was kind of talking about the springtime. A couple months ago, she remembers being on a class trip. And even though she was excited for the trip, she felt like an outsider, as always. Mm -hmm. I mean, a class trip to go skiing? Amazing. Sign me up. Yeah. All the other kids showed up with brand new name brand ski equipment, shiny, new, their clothes that they wear, gorgeous, while she had to show up with used skis. Oh, boo-hoo. And borrowed uh, snow clothes. And who of all people makes a remark about her old stuff? Kirsten. This adds to the resentment and the feeling that she just can't fit in like she wants to. So now going back to not making the cheer squad or the yearbook club, all of Bernadette's envy is funneled now toward Kirsten. Kirsten. Kirsten is the epitome of everything that she can't have. Do you think does Kirsten, well, other than making fun of her, does she have any idea? 
Like this person is like obsessed with her? Not to the level that we would imagine, no. She okay. doesn't, know. She knows that Bernadette is just trying too hard. And it just, it's like annoying to her. Mm-hmm. Well, now we're in that summer, that next summer. Everyone is taking time off and preparing for the following school year. Kirsten's preparing to kick ass while away at cheer camp. And Bernadette's jealousy is just stewing as each day passes. The day before Kirsten is to return home from camp, cheer camp, Back at home, her mother gets a phone call. Oh, no. The call I mentioned at the beginning of this story. Is it from Bernadette? A call asking if Kirsten can be picked up for a secret initiation the next day. The girl on the phone says to make sure Kirsten is all dolled up and ready for a fun night. When Kirsten's mother agrees, she doesn't know that the person who called is not taking her to an initiation dinner and there is, in fact, no initiation dinner happening at all. Bernadette. Just Ooh. say it. Just say it. Well, the day... <laughs> I'm going to keep going. <laughs> the next day comes. Kirsten's parents are at a fancy dinner with her brother, and she's at home all dressed up alone for her top secret dinner party. Her mother didn't know really who was picking Kirsten up, so she's, she's just all dressed up, Kirsten, and waiting for someone, quote unquote. Until she hears a honk, let me say that again. A and honk. I know. Until <laughs> don't, don't edit that out. <laughs> until she hears a honk outside. So excited and ready to go, she hops up and heads out the door. Meanwhile, Bernadette has asked her dad to drop her off at a nearby babysitting job. When he makes the quick drive with his daughter, she asks him to leave her with their yellow pinto. <laughs> yellow pinto saying she wants to drive home after babysitting. And her dad, honestly, he agrees that she doesn't need to walk home alone late at night and that instead he'll go ahead and walk home and he leaves her with his car. So I think any dad would kind of do that. And yeah, you keep the car, I'll walk home. I don't want my daughter, 15 years old, walking alone. As soon as he leaves, dad leaves, with Bernadette pretending to walk up to the house to babysit, she watches and waits for her dad to be out of sight. And then she hops in the Pinto and takes off Mm -hmm. straight to Kirsten's house as you knew when Kirsten walks out the front door locks it and turns around to see who's there she says oh it's you Kirsten you're just okay when she sees that it's Bernadette picking her up when an annoyed Kirsten scoffs at Bernadette because she had a whole like she had a whole idea of what this night was going to be I get dressed up. I go to a fancy dinner with the bobblings. I'm being initiated to this club. Yes, yes, yes. And you go outside and you see, oh, it's Bernie. you, <laughs> Bernie. So quickly, Kirsten realized that this was a lie. What she thought tonight was going to be is not it. Bernadette immediately says, I made up the story to your mom about the Bobby's initiation because the truth is there's a really cool house party at this guy's house happening and I thought that we could go and have fun together. Oh my gosh. And she's probably like, "Mm, okay. Well, what do you think? Well, I think she'll be excited to go. Yeah. Well, yeah. Any uh, party at a guy's house at that age and you're like, hell yeah. I once drove around looking for a party fields in Florida never found the party and uh, yeah they were hiding from you there is my there she comes (laughs) so kirsten agrees and she gets in the car with bernadette and bernadette is so excited thinking that this is her chance to bond with kirsten and become best friends 
What a weird way to become friends. Seriously. But on the way to the party, Kirsten has the idea to start smoking some pot. Oh, Kirsten is such a troublemaker. <laughs> yeah, oh, such a troublemaker. Um, so the girls pull over at a church parking lot to get high. <laughs> so the girls pull over in the church parking lot. But Bernadette, she's just not into it. She doesn't partake. It's just not her thing. She's not into smoking pot. And Kirsten calls her a square. Mm. And tells her that she's weird and makes her feel dumb. And that this whole night is just, like, weird. Thunder. I hear the thunder, too. If you guys hear it, it's about to monsoon. But it's, it's poured on the way here. Yeah. It's 3 p.m. in the summer in Florida. This is every day. Yeah. So the girls start getting into an argument, and Kirsten says, fuck it, I'll find my own way home, and she storms out of the car, also realizing there was no party happening, and Bernadette wasn't even dressed for a party. She's wearing, like, sweats, and, like, so Kirsten just finally figured it out, and then she says to her before she closes the door, I'm telling everyone at school what happened tonight, and she gets out. What was she going to say? She's going to tell everyone at school that Bernadette faked a story to her mom, told her there was a party, wouldn't smoke pot, she's weird, she's annoying, and I'm telling everyone at school. So an already irritated Bernadette is now really fired up. And embarrassed. And embarrassed. I think you know where this is going. I do. When, I, mean, I, don't know, I don't know the story, but I do know where it's going. You, it's very obvious. So, I mean, live, laugh, murder. When Kirsten gets out of the car, she knows exactly where she is. Because as she starts walking, she realizes that she's by one of her parents' friends' houses. And I'm telling you, the time of no cell phones and no GPS made you hyper aware of where mm-hmm. you were, right? So she's near the Arnold's house, the last name, the Arnold's. We I didn't live. assume it was their first name. <laughs> <laughs> You're so witty. <laughs> oh my gosh. Shut it. She walks up to their front door, hoping to use their phone. Phone. Exactly. I was say bathroom. <laughs> Yeah, no. When Mr. Arnold answers, she comes across as kind of tense, Kirsten does, while saying that her friend, this is what she says, she says, my friend got weird on me. Can I use your phone to call my parents? <laughs> but her friends are, at, her mom's at dinner. Parents are at dinner. I know, but back then you would call the restaurant. Uh, oh, gosh. Remember Could you that? imagine? Yes. <laughs> Excuse me, we're looking for. Yeah, and then they'd come, remember being at a restaurant when you were young and the like host would come over to your table and be like, um, excuse me, Mr. or Miss so-and-so, you're, someone's calling for you. How weird is that? Uh, it's so weird. <sighs> yeah. When Mr. Arnold looks outside, he sees a girl standing on the sidewalk behind Kirsten and says, like, no problem, Kirsten, come on in, call your parents, you know, or you'll, so she didn't call the restaurant. She tries to call them at home, basically. But my knee jerk reaction is you'd call the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter. So Kirsten calls her house and her parents haven't arrived home yet. So Mr. Arnold says, why don't I drive you home to make sure that you get back safely? Sure. During the drive, he recognizes that he's being followed by a yellow Pinto. Pinto. He says something about it out loud, and Kirsten responds, Ugh, don't worry about it. It's my friend being weird. I just want to go home. Oh, no. Well, she does make it home, kind of. But doesn't make it inside. Yeah, kind of. Mr. Arnold, go ahead. Why wouldn't he wait till she got in the house if he recognized that the car is following her? Right. So here's my next note. Mr. Arnold gets to her house, and seeing that her parents' car isn't in the driveway, Kirsten says that she's going to go wait at the neighbor's house, so he says he will watch until she gets inside. Yeah. So yes, and it is dark, mind you, for what's going to happen next. So I need to stretch a little bit, sit up straight. Not knowing that Bernadette has parked her car, 
and has run up in the dark to hide behind the nearby bushes. As Kirsten is approaching her neighbor's front door, with Mr. Arnold keeping an eye out of from the car, now mind you, he's parked across the street, mm -hmm. keeping an eye, a person jumps out with a 12-inch butcher knife and stabs Kirsten. Where? I'll tell you where. But who is it, more importantly? Wait, that stabs her? Yep, it's a person Bern jumps out and stabs Kirsten. It's Bernadette. Well, yeah, it's Bernadette. Obviously, it's Bernadette. Bernie fucked up. In the struggle, Kirsten manages to get away from her. Now, this is as she's walking up to the neighbor's house, like right by the front door. She manages to get away from her with blood dripping down her body by what feels like the gallons. Sorry for the imagery there. Thank you. She makes it to the house, bangs on the door, and all while Mr. Arnold, he is in his car across the street. He sees through darkness, but he thinks he's seeing Kirsten getting into a fist fight with this girl. He has no idea. Regardless. It's far enough away. Um, it's dark out. But when Kirsten falls to the ground, he realizes what he's seeing as a glimmer of shiny metal is seen in the attacker's hand. Oh, my gosh. Holy shit. So he immediately freaks out. All this has happened at, at one time, mind you. Bernadette runs to her vehicle and takes off. And so this is what Mr. Arnold does. He realizes, shit, she was attacked. And he saw the glimmer, so he realizes there was a weapon. So when Bernadette takes off, his first instinct is to chase after her. Chase okay. after whoever. He doesn't know who it is. Yes, chase after the car. So it's like hot pursuit. But it doesn't take him long to realize. He, so he's like hot pursuit. And he's like, wait a fucking second. I need to make sure Kirsten's okay. Fuck this guy or fuck this girl. So he then immediately turns around and drives back to where he left Kirsten. So he's kind of like the innocent trying to help person here. Kirsten is not okay. No. Kirsten's screams get the attention of the homeowner where she is at. And a person opens their front door late at night to see a bloody, screaming, and seriously wounded teenage girl on their doorstep. I could not imagine. I could not imagine. Have you seen, like, those people who, like, knock on doors to be like, help, help. And then when you open the door, people attack you? Yes. But then, like, what about those people who truly need help? You don't know. <sighs> Just call 911 anyway. That's a good idea. If you have someone out your front door, bloody, screaming, do not Open the door until you have called 911. Back to the neighbor opening their door, hearing or seeing a wounded, bloodied girl screaming, and she says out loud, Help me, I've been stabbed. So dramatic. Well, if there's a time to be dramatic, Joanna, I think it's now <laughs> if you were in that scenario. Does she know? Well, I guess we don't know. She knows. She can't say, it was Bernadette. Okay, it's not the movie Selena. Oh, I should do the movie Selena. I already know Selena. I know, but she, when she got killed, would she get shot by, um, what's her name? What, was it Wanda? No, Yolanda. Yolanda, that's close. And she said in her dying breath, Yolanda did it. Oh, oh, this, this is the movie Selena. Selena y los dinos. Yolanda's going to be up for parole next year. And there's, like, jokes for, like, people, like, waiting outside with, like, baseball bats and she stuff. She ain't getting out. She's Hell not. no. If she does, like I said, people will She be better ready. go into hiding. And change okay. her name. I know, right? Um, okay, so she says, help me, I've been stabbed. And then Joanna, she collapses in the neighbor's arms, oh, barely holding on 15. to life. 
Yeah, and now it is sad. The next thing that happens here is for you to tell me, is this the plot of a horror movie or the facts of a true crime case? Movie. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so invested. I'm so invested. It's not a movie. Dang it! Ah! You got me. What is it? It is, Joanna. Oh, I'm hot and sweaty now in this fucking swamp of a house. Joanna, this is the very real and tragic story of Kirsten Costas and Bernadette Prati. Okay, here's what you yeah. know what I thought it was. Was um, not Urban Legends. Was it Urban Legends? I don't you know. know. what I'm thinking about that movie? I don't know what you're thinking about. Yes. it's Ur- But she was a swimmer. And the girl, like, was obsessed with her. Oh. And she wore the hood. Yeah. And, like... The Pop Rocks thing. You know what's funny That's is what that when I recorded with Amy, we were talking about Urban Legend. That movie, did, was that, but I might have cut it out. Yeah, I don't think it made it. That's so funny. It's yeah. like we're friends or something. Mm, like we know each other's. That's I know. About, That's honestly what I thought it was. Kirsten was born July 23rd, 1968. And she was sadly killed June 23rd, 1984. That's why I wouldn't know the story because I was only one. Wait, <laughs> That's that, the what, only reason you what don't year? know. What year? 84. No, no, I'm sorry, what month? June. Yeah. She was, uh, it was a month before her 16th birthday, which is wild. Bernadette was her classmate, as mentioned, and they were the same age, like I said. So huge, huge, huge note, Joanna. Everything that I said that happened the night uh, Kirsten was murdered from picking up Kirsten to her exiting the vehicle was all from Bernadette's point of view meaning the conversation in the car, the pot smoking, the argument they had, that's all things that she said later. So it all has to be taken with a grain of salt, if you will. Yeah. So we don't know if Kirsten, like, for example, like, Kirsten's friend said that she didn't even smoke pot. In uh, real, like, you know what I mean? And did they argue, did she say insulting things to Bernadette, or did she not, and Bernadette went off the, I don't yeah. know. You know, the deep end. Right. Either way, that's the only part that I'm not sure about. All the other things were facts of the case. So now let's continue from where we left off with a bloody Kirsten, a freaked out neighbor named Arthur Hillman, a stunned friend of the parents in the car, and a girl who's taken off in her Pinto. Kirsten's wounds were significant. She had, Joanna, five, been stabbed five times. <sighs> twice in the back, twice in the chest, a 15-inch wound penetrating her left arm, chest, and lung. Oh, my god! Right? So Bernadette went up and went fucking ham. Yeah. The wounds in her back punctured her right lung, passed through her diaphragm, lacerating uh, her liver. Yeah, she wasn't surviving that. I know. And with all that, she was still able to yell for help at the end. And she fell into Arthur Hillman's arms. Because it's that adrenaline. You're in shock. Yep. The scariest and most devastating part of this... As Kirsten is being loaded in the back of the ambulance, her parents arrived home from dinner. Following the ambulance to the hospital, where she would later pass away from her injuries at 11.02 p.m. Mm. When asked about the girl who did this, now you would think, we would think, obviously it was Bernadette. How many yellow pintos are around yeah. at the time? Well, a lot. Yeah. So, it was the 80s. Right. So when asked about who, like, who did this to her, the witnesses would refer to a round-faced blonde wearing a yellow shirt and faded red sweatpants, driving off in a mustard yellow pinto. That was all they had to go off of. What was Bernadette doing at this time? Probably freaking out. You would fucking think. Tossed the knife. She rushed home, flushed a bag of weed down the toilet. Oh. Well, we don't know whose weed it was. Yeah. Walked the dog with her mother. Mm. 
claims that she didn't realize she had killed Kirsten. To her mom? No, to herself. She thought she just hurt her. And she kind of went to bed waiting for the police to show up, assuming that Kirsten would have told the cops what that. Oh. Yep. She didn't. According to her, she had no idea she killed her. So the next day, when a friend called her to tell her about Kirsten being stabbed to death by a stranger, Bernadette washed the knife she used to to kill Kirsten and placed it back where it belonged in the kitchen. Could you imagine you're cutting vegetables and that's the same knife that murdered? A murder weapon. She disposed of her bloody clothes and she went on with her life. Fifteen. Fifteen. So the community couldn't wrap their head around who could have done such a thing in our precious town. Who would commit an intense amount of violence in this safe community? They immediately assumed it had to be some crazy, drug-fueled person, stranger, because it couldn't possibly be, quote-unquote, one of them that would do this. It would take police six months to make an arrest in this case. Whoa. During this time, Bernadette blocked out what happened and lived a normal life. Yeah, but couldn't you, like... The DMV has the registration of all the cars. Can you just be like yellow Pintos? They did use that eventually. So Bernadette went to swim classes. Um, She was a typical teen, but most importantly, or not most importantly, most just, I want to say disgusting, uncomfortable. She attended Kirsten's fucking funeral. Stop. And mourned her death. She did. Police, on the other hand, started interviewing the students at Miramonte High, Miramont or Miramonte High trying to figure out who did this and the other students would mention a girl, an innocent girl named Nancy Kane. So Nancy wasn't a fan of the, she was, she's just a chick in high school. Okay. She wasn't a fan of the Bobbies and that was a known fact. People referred to her as an outcast or a druggie, even though that might or might not have been true, which made her at the time a person of interest. She probably wore black and they were like, that's her. That's her. She did it. Adding to the fact that she was outspoken that she hated Kirsten, that she didn't like her. Apparently, um, she had held a diary, and when police did their investigation, she had written in it. Now, this does sound bad for her, but she was innocent. Quote, I want to see Kirsten's blood drip. Oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Big fucking oh, no. According to Nancy, she says she was trying to be a badass by writing things like that, but that she would never actually do something like that in real life. That's what they all say. Everyone targeted her, but we obviously know that she was she was innocent. When school started that year, because this happened in the summer, Nancy didn't even attend the beginning of school because her parents moved her to a different school because she was being bullied so badly. They didn't want her suffering you know, the court yeah. of public opinion. Plus, Nancy had an alibi, and she like she was at her boyfriend's house. It all checked out. There was no way she could have even done this, but the public still blamed her. Local police also contacted the FBI's Behavioral Science Unit trying to get a profile of who would do something like this, which was new at the time. Remember I was watching Mindhunter until mm-hmm. it got canceled by Netflix assholes. Everyone loves Mindhunter. It was, about, it was in the 70s about the behavioral profiling of killers being invented as like a new science. So Quantico, which I just feel cool saying, mm-hmm. Quantico, they gave them a write-up of the type of suspect that they should be looking for. Profiling, criminal profiling is so interesting because mm-hmm. sometimes it's, it's spot on and then sometimes it's not. Your suspect would have brown medium length hair. Her name would be with a J <laughs> and it would rhyme with Shmoanna. <laughs> so the report gave details that pretty much explained 
one person in the area. Was it Nancy? Bernadette. Oh, gosh. Okay. This is what led police to her. It said things like, and there's a lot. It was like a 12-page document, but just three notes that I thought were just most interesting. The stabbing indicated personal anger and intimacy. So someone who felt personal anger or intimacy. How do you know? This is based on the crime. They make criminal profiles about these things. Do you know nothing about this? (sighs) Obviously not. (laughs) Uh, That's the one. one. The second one I wrote down, the perpetrator would come from a Catholic family with six children. It's very specific. Very specific. And Bernadette was Catholic. Um, And then the third one I wrote down, it would be a friend of the victim who most likely did this. Because they say stabbings are personal attacks and are usually committed by someone who knew them. And especially with how violently she was stabbed, so aggressively. So now if I commit a crime, I could just stab people, random people. Five times. And they wouldn't know it was me because I'm not a friend. Well, okay. Do you want to do that, Joanna? No. uh, Should we stop recording and call the police? No, I'm just saying. Okay. Well. If. (laughs) So this all, everything pretty much described Bernadette after they, because they had interviewed her in the past. Bernadette wasn't even a person that they suspected. She passed a lie detector test previously, and that was it. Well, not so much. And uh, none of her friends would believe that smart, mild-mannered Bernadette would do something like this. Mm. So she and the wrong, (laughs) Bernadette, and the wrongfully accused Nancy, this is so fucked up, spent a lot of time together that summer, like, doing activities. They even did like a, they did a church class together that summer because they attended a similar church. All the while, she knew Nancy was being investigated for the murder and that she herself had done it. Like, you did it, but you're going to go, f- I don't know, how do you describe that? It's so weird. It's, yeah, it's just fucked up. When police questioned Bernadette again now, after they had this profile, they told her about it, about the FBI, pro- FBI profile. Bernadette's response, wow, that sounds just like me. <laughs> <laughs> And she went on to ask police what would happen to a person who was guilty of this crime. Saying that the public humiliation, Bernadette was saying the public public humiliation would be worse than actually going to jail. For her, at least. I mean, as a young teen who cares about popularity, everyone knowing that she did it would be worse than going to jail. Really? Not in real life? Like, we as adults know if you're really, that that's not worse. If you are guilty, though, that's all she cared about. That's what people would think about her. After this questioning session, Bernadette went home to write about her feelings. And I have a quote for you, Joanna, of what she wrote. She wrote a list. Okay. Okay. Number one, I have caused a lot of hurt and pain to a lot of people. Number two, I don't want to hurt people anymore. Three, I want to go to heaven when I die. Four, I regret what I did. Five, if I kill myself, I will hurt people even more. I think I could kill myself. I would go to hell if I killed myself. I would rather kill myself than go on living if people knew. Although it's incredible, my parents are saints who would forgive and love me. End quote. Scary. Would you ever forgive your kid if they killed somebody? We've talked about this before. I know. Depends on if, like, what it was, what they were doing it out of, like, Well, in this scenario? Sure. Right, this is different. No. Right. Um, I think that I would have... I think that I would have... I would love my child in a way and want to be there for them as they went through this difficult time of admitting and realizing what they did Mm -hmm. and the grief that they would have to go through if they were willing to accept that they fucked up. 
but I would never keep them from their consequences. Yeah. And I would definitely uh, not be able to sleep at night knowing that my kid was a murderer. Yeah, same. <laughs> to say the least. That'd be tough. Yeah. So at this point, she finally felt too guilty to go on. So this is how she admitted it. And think of, put yourself in the place of the mother here, since we're talking about being moms. Which mother? Bernadette's mom? Bernadette's mom. So on the morning of December 10th, 1984, when I was not even, I was just a couple weeks old. More than a couple weeks. I was born, oh, a couple months old. Two and a half. (laughs) Okay. Almost three. Exactly. Bernadette gave her mom a letter before she left for school, and she said, Mom, please don't read this until 30 minutes have gone by after I left. Her mother agreed and said, okay, and Bernadette went to school. So she waited 30 minutes, and she opened it, and she read, quote, Oh, no. Dear Mom and Dad, I've been trying to tell you this all day, but I love you so much, it's too hard. So I'm taking the easy way out. The FBI man thinks I did it, and he's right. I've been able to live with it for a while, but I can't ignore it. It's too much for me, and I can't be that deceiving. Please still love me. I can't live unless you love me. I've ruined my life and yours, and I don't know what to do, and I'm ashamed and scared. I'm even worse than words can describe, and I hate myself. Don't ask why, because I don't understand this, and I don't know why. I'm sorry. Hmm. So, like, in that sense, what do you do? You're going to love your kid, I I would imagine, but you're still going to do what Bernadette's mom did and take her fucking kid to the police station. Mm -hmm. She went and picked her up from school. Her, she got her husband, and they were like, got her out of class. I'm like, let's fucking go. <sighs> she immediately confessed. She had a full breakdown. She said she didn't mean to kill Kirsten and only wanted to hurt her. Well, five times with a 12-inch knife. I know. Oh, she, she couldn't handle Kirsten telling her friends that she was weird because she didn't want her reputation ruined. She didn't really have one because she wasn't part of the cool group. Couldn't she at least just go pull her hair? Yeah. Like, why do you have to Cut stab her, her? I mean, not that I would recommend pulling or stabbing, or, oh my God, pulling or cutting hair, but... It's better than the alternative. Seriously. The constant rejection made her snap, and she said she couldn't explain why she did it. Well, Bernadette was charged. Joanna, I don't know why I'm saying your name so many times, because I missed you and you're right in front of me. First degree murder... And during the trial, the courtroom was overflowed with an audience. Oh, my gosh. Everything was sensationalized because this was supposed to be one of the safest neighborhoods to live in. (sighs) Just, it never is. Nothing is, honestly. On the stand, Bernadette described what she did, luring Kirsten out of the house with the fake invitation. She said she resented Kirsten, and she said this, and I have another another quote. I love my quotes. Mm Mm-hmm. I had a lot of inferiority feelings and really bad feelings about myself. I lost for cheerleader and I didn't get the club I wanted and I didn't get on the yearbook staff. The things that got me mad, I couldn't change, like looks or money or popularity or things like that. Then she went on to say, I was afraid she was going to tell everybody I was really weird. I thought, oh my God, everyone's gone. Everything's gone wrong. She's going to tell everybody. She symbolized everything I wanted. It makes you feel bad for her? It makes you feel bad for her. That's all she wanted was a friend. And she went to this great lengths. Yeah. And for it to not even work out now that she's in jail still. Yeah. I mean, she wanted more than just a friend. She wanted popularity. She wanted status. She wanted to be a part of the 
cool group. Mm-hmm. And she took she just took it too far. Being popular in high school it does not make the rest of your life. It doesn't matter. It doesn't. High school is just another phase in your life. Yeah. And then you move on. And then you move on. And then you go on to live the best years yes. of your life. High school is just another stepping stone, and it doesn't matter. Right. Do you think that she just snapped, like she said? Yeah. I think she reached her breaking point, and... But she did lure Kirsten out of the house. Yeah. So like she had she, a plan. She had a plan, and she had a knife. Mm-hmm. And well, whether you meant to kill somebody or not, you intended on hurting somebody. Yeah. There's an excuse for the knife, actually. Oh, okay. Uh, that she... Because a big part of it was, was it premeditated or not? Mm-hmm. So she claimed that it was not premeditated, which was argued because she was dressed in a t-shirt and sweatpants. So they're like, obviously you came fucking ready to go. Look at what you were wearing. Um, She was not dressed up, even though she was pretending to go to a party. She also lied to her parents saying she was babysitting. That was a part of the premeditation. She was the people she was supposed to babysit for. They said, no, didn't even know. Yeah. They were, she had babysat for them before and they were like, this was not, no. And about that knife that she had in the car. So her sister actually, so she was only 15. And I know back then they, we let, they let kids drive younger and it was a short distance. So her dad was like, yeah, I'll leave you the car. Her sister is the one who mainly drove that car. And she said that it was her knife and that she kept it in her vehicle to cut up fruits and veggies for fruits and veggies for her lunch break when she was at work. Would you get the biggest knife in your block to keep in your car what does the sister do? I don't, it doesn't and matter. Who cuts up fruits and veggies in their car? With a huge 12-inch knife. She claimed this in court. The um, sister was like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, she was the one who, her name was Gina. She was the one who drove the car, and she testified to this. Either way, Bernadette lured Kirsten out of the house. There was no party. She jumped out of the car with the knife, and she attacked her. Mm. Period. End of story. So, coming to a close here. Bernadette was found guilty of second-degree murder and sentenced to a maximum of nine years. Are you she, kidding? In a California youth authority. Because she was 15. Yep. Oh, because she was under. Yep. So what is she doing now? Uh, I'm going to tell you. Uh, she served seven years. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? What's the cutoff? 18? Okay, so when you're 17, you can commit a murder? Jesus. Yeah, one month. Well, there are... There I know, are some, I, yeah, know yeah, yeah. I know. But still, I get what you're saying. At 23 years old, she was released. After she got out, she changed her name, moved to a different state, and fell off the grid until, dun, 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 social media. Yes. Yes. Internet sleuths have found Jeanette on social media. What's her name? From Bernadette to Jeanette. Oh. <laughs> yep. I really like the et. Okay, I know. Wait, so, they, so they must have compared photos. Yeah. So she mar- she's now, as of the last I could find, which was a couple years ago, she's now married with kids and uh, was a mommy blogger <gasps> and, <laughs> and was very active on social media. Now, like I said, the, I can't, couldn't find anything now present. So this was as of a few years back from 2023, a few years ago. So people started realizing the sleuths I mentioned that they were finding Bernadette Prati. But how though? It could be anything. It could be searching what the person changed. What did Bernadette Prati change her oh. name to? It could be people in her town. I don't know. Okay. Um, I am not an internet sleuth, obviously. So when people started finding out who she was, she got bullied online, and people would post things under her. Like she'd post like a recipe for a dinner, mommy blogger shit, 
and people would post die mm. or comment, you know, rot in hell. And, you know, what about Kirsten and all, co- or they would post emojis of like bloody knives or like shit like that. Okay. What about her husband? Is that something you like? I know. Do you d- disclose that hey, to by your the fiance? Way, yeah. I killed somebody when I was 15. I mean, maybe they're going to find out eventually. <sighs> so you said this was a movie. It's not a movie, but it was made into a TV movie. Yes. It does sound like a Lifetime movie, right? So it was, it's both. I was correct. Whatever. I didn't watch one. it. I haven't watched it yet. It was called, it was made into a Lifetime movie called Death of a Cheerleader, starring Tori Spelling. Shut up. <laughs> Who was Tori? I did look. I forget. I'm sorry. I apologize. So I was partly correct. Okay. So IMDb, and I didn't watch the movie yet, but I looked up the rating. Six out of ten for the movie. Well, kids... As you're going back to school this year, remember to live, laugh, and never get so jealous of another girl that you tell her mom you're taking her to a secret party, but really you're going to stab her to death in front of her neighbor's house, so never murder. No. Or just be nice to the weird kids. Yes. Um, That's great advice. Thank you. Are we done? Well, let's wrap it up. Okay, because I have a a question for you. Oh, Okay. Do you have a palate cleanser? I have a palate cleanser. How, How many, many eggs do you make, Joanna? <laughs> How many tabs do you have open? On my computer? No, on your phone. Oh, zero. Like this. Zero. <gasps> wow, you just showed me a Rolodex. I have 33. Are you ready for this? Zero. What does that say about our mindsets? <laughs> I bet we could do a whole study on that. But you are very organized and I am very cluttered. I hate clutter. I know you do. Hmm. But you know what I don't hate? Is live, laugh, murder. Correct. And you. On that note, I hope that cleansed your palate. Drop us a DM and let us know how many tabs you have open. If you enjoyed today's episode, please take a moment and rate and review us. It helps us out so much. And we love reading what you guys have to say. So you can also interact with our episodes on Spotify under the show notes. And if you really want to support us, check out our Patreon. Yes. We give you episodes in advance and ad-free. Ad-free ad free is the way to go yep so thanks for stopping in guys we'll see you in two weeks as we are a bi-weekly show and we love you so mucho love you so mucho i love you and now let's go celebrate amy's birthday okay